The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everyone. Always glad to have you riding shotgun with us as we travel around America by car, on the wheels, on the way to someplace special every time. Today, we're going to be traveling along Highway 33 to Portage, Wisconsin, and the historic Indian Agency House. Lots of history to discover, and we'll get to it right after this. Slowly but surely, America is opening up again for business, travel, and new adventures. It's time to fuel your open road dreams and plan that amazing journey along our nation's highways and byways with the inspiration and assistance of American Road Magazine. Every issue of American Road offers exciting features, high quality writing and beautiful photography covering a wide range of alluring places just waiting to be discovered by road warriors of all descriptions across America. The gorgeous horizon is wide enough to accommodate your personal vision of the best road trip ever. There has never been a better time to treat yourself or someone special with the gift of a subscription to American Road Magazine. But there's something special going on this season. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com, click the cover photo, and enjoy the online edition of the Spring 2020 issue for free. Welcome back to American Roads Trip Talk. We are going to speak today to a gentleman who is the executive director of the historic Indian Agency House, 1.4 acres chock full of history in Portage, Wisconsin. Adam Novi is the executive director and curator of the historic Indian Agency House in Portage, Wisconsin. Adam has served at the Agency House since 2017, becoming director of the site last October. He holds a Master of Arts in History and is certified in both nonprofit leadership and museum operations. Welcome to the show, Adam Novi. All right, thank you. There is so much history there. It's best that we get it from the man in the know. Portage, Wisconsin, and this wonderful historic, and it's registered among historic places in America as of 1972. I found that out. The Historic Indian Agency House. I'd like to ask on a personal note, in addition to having the opportunity for a great job, what was it, Adam, that drew you to this place to become the executive director and curator? That's a big job. Well, I've um, always had a passion for history, and uh, this site has such a rich history and so many levels. Uh, it's near my hometown, which is about 20 miles away, so it was a, a logical place to look. Wisconsin is not a tiny state, so Adam, if people are traveling, and we have road warriors aplenty who listen every week to Trip Talk, if they are headed to that part of Wisconsin, okay, maybe you're coming from Ohio, maybe you're coming up from Florida where I live and you want to get there, map that out for people as to how you would go from any point to get to that spot in Wisconsin. All right. Well, Portage is unique because it is uh, sort of at the crossroads between uh, a few major interstates. Uh, Interstate 39 goes from uh, uh, Madison up uh, just right past Portage, as does uh, Interstate 90 and 94. So you can take the interstate from Milwaukee, uh, Madison, um, you know, Mad 
medicine. You branch off into many other routes, so you just get off the interstate on Highway 33, and we are right on the other side of the small town of Portage. Excellent, and thank goodness for GPS. Anybody can get there. <laughs> yes. Adam, I wanted to ask you for an overview, because when people plan their road trips, they want to have a pretty good idea well in advance of what they'll be seeing when they get where they are going. So if you would, I understand that this house was built by the federal government for a sub-agent interacting with the local tribe. I believe the gentleman's name was Kinsey. He and his wife lived there. The house was built for their lodging. And that's about the extent of my knowledge. So if I'm going to go visit and I'm going to take the tour and there is a tour there and reasonably priced at that, what is the background and what on the tour are we likely to discover? Well, when you first arrive at the site, you're going to go up a, uh, a small hill. And this hill overlooks the portage or uh, the crossing point between the Fox River and the Wisconsin River. Uh, it's the only one and one-quarter mile stretch between the Great Lakes and the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, so it's the only land between, uh, you know, a lot of land. So uh, you've got uh, the government in the 1820s was uh, in a process of uh, having more direct relationships with the tribes of what was then considered the American West. So uh, in 1829, an agency, which is the, uh, the basically the interface between the federal government and the local tribe, uh, an agency was established at Fort Winnebago uh, here in Portage. Um, it was a place where uh, you know negotiations would occur uh, when there was a conflict between the government and the tribe. Uh, there was uh, it was the place where uh, the Ho Chunk Nation would be paid for uh, their land, which they had been. Uh, forced to sell uh, just a few years prior, um, so it's really the place where uh, a lot of a lot of cultures interacted, uh, and it's a place that um, the government wanted to ha make sure it had a very uh, influential presence. So uh, John Kinsey, as you mentioned, uh, was the Indian agent here. Uh, he was only about 24, 25 years old when he became agent here. Uh, oh wow! He. Uh, received the job because he was a fur trader, and he uh, knew the Ho-Chunk language. And uh, when he came to the agency, he uh, brought his wife, who he had just married, out, out east. Uh, she was a Connecticut-born uh, person. So uh, the couple came out here in 1830, and his wife, Juliet, began writing a book about their experiences out here. And from that book, we, uh, we have a lot of uh, stories. Uh, we sort of have her personal progression from you know, not really understanding what was going on on the frontier, not really understanding the natives uh, living around her, to becoming uh, more cognizant of uh, you know, the Ho-Chunk tribe as neighbors rather than just you know, distant savages. So it, was, it sort of is a story of uh, government interaction with the local tribe, but also a personal interaction between uh, the agent, his wife, and the Ho-Chunk Nation. You know, the way you're describing their situation, Adam, it makes me think of people who, it, these would hardly be the, the first to do so. I mean, of course, most famously, you have people like Lewis and Clark, but those who are in government service, when they go from a region that is settled, 
some would say civilized, but there are various kinds of civilization, of course. But when you go from one kind of environment to another, you provide the raw materials of history. Now, you're a historian. It seems like when people go out to Wisconsin, to Portage, to this agency, and there is a house built for you so that you can live as comfortably as possible under your circumstances, you're going to provide people generations later, untold numbers of people with the raw materials of the story and an appreciation of what you found in Wisconsin. There was a story to be told there that's still being told. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Juliet wrote a memoir about uh, their experiences here in Wisconsin. Uh, it's one of the uh, best examples of a personal account of what life was like on the frontier in the early 1830s. Uh, you know, you can find John's letters uh, still in archives in the state on a national level. Uh, and, you know, funny you mention uh, Lewis and Clark. Uh, um, uh, William Clark was actually John Kinsey's supervisor. So, uh, oh, wow. One of, one of the two supervisors who uh, he, he was dealing with. So, uh, so yeah, it's, um, we're lucky that that generation, like you said, left behind a lot of uh, narratives of their time there. Um, and it's a uh, very, very interesting story to tell. And thankfully, they did leave that account. I'm curious, Adam, did the Kinseys, as far as you can tell, you're the historian looking into it, would you say that they were comfortable in their circumstances? Mm-hmm. Well, uh to start with, Juliet Kinsey coming from out east, uh, she knew she, she was expecting that she was going to be uncomfortable. So uh, one of the things that she did, and many other settlers like her uh, did the same type of thing, was she brought just about everything with her but the kitchen sink. She brought uh, uh, you know, you know, a lot of different knickknacks, a lot of, she talks about bringing, trying to hang uh, you know, nice paintings from out east on log cabin walls. She brings her piano with her, uh, and all this is being brought out here uh, before the uh, introduction of the road to Wisconsin, so all this is br- being brought out on canoes. So uh, she was uh, trying to get prepared for uh, being physically comfortable in a place where she knew she would uh, probably not have a very good uh, experience as far as what uh, she would have available to her. And the interesting thing about her story is she was very well equipped, but she was uh, a bit less mentally equipped to understand the complexities of the, fr- of the frontier. Uh, things happened, you know, famines came and went. Uh, there was a war, the Black Hawk War started and was resolved during their time there. And uh, she was less prepared for that, but uh, it provides for a lot of uh, very thought-provoking stories about how you as a visitor, uh, you're standing in these very rooms where Juliet was trying to make sense of things, John was uh, meeting with the natives, uh, sort of provides the visitors with an, with an opportunity to uh, really think about how they would act in some of these circumstances. Um, so it's, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they were, uh, she, at least she was, wasn't totally prepared. John was pretty well prepared for the frontier because he had, uh, growing up on the frontier, he was the son of the first white settler in Chicago. Uh, his father had bought the trading post of uh, Mr. Dusable, who was the African-American man who owned the first 
uh, Euro-American um, post uh, in that region. So John was pretty used to it, but it's pretty interesting seeing how Juliet became accustomed to the frontier. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, yes, the Black Hawk War would be a very different type of experience. I mean, I'm not a fan of war uh, like most people, but there's the Black Hawk War, which would not be anything like the War of 1812, for example, the scale of it, the tactics, whom you needed to be afraid of, on whom could you rely. I can see where this would be a traumatic experience for a young couple and particularly a young bride coming from New England. Yeah, uh, Juliet talks about how she would uh, keep two pistols by her bedside. Uh, you know, something that you know a proper New Englander would uh, <laughs> probably not have uh, liked having to get used to doing that type of thing. Uh, but you know, she had to prepare herself for uh, how she would face these difficulties that, uh, like you said, she uh, wouldn't have had to face in the East. Um, the Blackhawk right. War was. Uh, mostly uh, in the area south of Portage. Uh, but there was enough question of what Black Hawk's intentions were in the war that uh, there was a lot of worries that he would come up to Fort Winnebago. So Juliet talked about receiving visitors in the middle of the night, knocking on the agency windows, bringing news of a fresh trail that had been uh, discovered nearby, thinking it was the Black Hawk's warriors coming up. So, yeah, it's a very... Uh, unusual experience, and I'd imagine one that was pretty emotionally, uh, mostly taxing. I'm sure it would be harrowing, uh, more than just an adventure, I'm sure. Let, Adam, let's go now to the tour as it exists today. I'm sure you have a point of pride in saying that uh, the Agency House is one of Wisconsin's longest-running museums. I believe it was open to the public back in 1932. So here we are in 2020, and people will drive through, uh, up the grounds there on Highway 33. They get there. They pay their admission, which for adults is, I think, um, was it $750? And, and yeah, $750 if you're a senior. A lot of seniors are road warriors who listen to Trip Talk. Hey, folks, 6 bucks. That's a bargain to have this experience. What is it, speaking generally and with some detail, that people can expect to find on the tour? Is there a kind of remnant culture along the lines or with the motif of a trading post? Or are these more, how shall I say, maybe austere quarters, but comfortable enough that you get a feel for what it was like to be alive in that place at that time? Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, a lot more refined than the trading post next door would have been. Uh, it was um, considered to be a symbol of the government's uh, prestige in the area. So it was restored uh, by the Col National Society of the Colonial Dames of America in the state of Wisconsin uh, back in 1932 to a state of uh, what, what a government outpost would have looked like uh, at this time. So uh, you're going to experience a, uh, a fairly finely furnished house out uh, that uh, you know, represents uh, a, a bit more uh, refinement than uh, your average settler's house would be. Uh, on the tour, you're going to uh, go through a visitor center where we introduce you to the various uh, people groups at the Portage. I mean, our history uh, goes back to the time of the uh, Roman Empire and before. Uh, this is one of the Portage was uh, 
a very important uh, place from early on. So you get introduced to the people, uh, you get introduced to uh, the agency, why it was built, what, it, what was going on there, and then we take you through the house, and you and visitors get to uh, stand in the rooms of the house where a lot of interesting stories took place. They can uh, look at you know the same uh, the same setting uh, where these you know nationally significant events were happening uh, almost 200 years ago. Almost 200 years ago, and then 40 years later, after it was turned into a museum, it was added to the National Registry of Historic Places. Quite an honor happening there in 1972. And the Colonial Dames deserve a lot of credit, it seems to me, because so much of their mission has to do with the preservation of the physical site, yes, but also the history of the place. It's a narrative that they keep alive. I think that's a great initiative. It is, and uh, as an update to the National Register of Historic Places, in 2012 we were listed, uh, relisted on that uh, that listing as being nationally significant on the register, uh, just because of our uh, important place in this era in history. But yes, the uh, Colonial Dames have done a very good job of keeping uh, keeping a very significant story alive. And you have another way of keeping things alive and bringing them back to life. I would love it, Adam, if you could tell us about the archaeological dig and the access that the public has. Now, road trippers are going to want to know about this. I understand there's been some shift in the timing because we are going through this pandemic experience. It's a crisis, and you want to be very careful for the sake of your visitors, of course. But what about this archaeological dig? What is the the scope of it, and how accessible is it to people who come through the house, take the tour, and maybe want to participate actively? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very excited to be able to uh, you know, offer that our site is able to offer this opportunity. Uh, the archaeological dig itself is, uh, its goal is to find and learn more about the agency blacksmith. Uh, the agency house is the last survivor of a number of buildings on the, uh, this hillside above the Fox River. Uh, one of these was a blacksmith shop that was unique because it was specifically built to serve the Native Americans. Uh, so we're putting in some test units to figure out where it was, what uh, what the blacksmiths were doing there, uh, and the public gets to participate. Um, if, if you uh, visitors come, they can uh, purchase a membership in the site, and they can go out and dig right alongside the archaeologists. They'll uh, be given instruction along the way. Uh, it's a, just as much a learning experience as it is, a, uh, you know, a scientific inquiry. So uh, we're glad to be able to learn more about the site while offering this uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to visitors. And that's no exaggeration either, Adam. I know people personally who would jump at the chance to go and do that to get their hands involved in it, a part of history before the history that we know popularly today, because it is kind of a voyage of discovery. That would be very exciting to many, many people. Yes. Uh, and along it, this, yes, go ahead. You know, it's a thing where you never know what you'll find. Uh, we might 
find exactly where the blacksmith shop is. We might not, but I think along the way, everybody's going to come away learning something from it. So, Well, you see, uh, that's it. It's the history and the mystery. Yep. That's <laughs> it. And along the same lines, Adam, please tell us about this concept of artifact ambassadors. I understand that's an online exhibition, but an ambassador is a a chosen individual who represents his country to a, to a different corner of the world. I got that from your website. How does that work? Well, we put together a program this past, uh, last year, about called Artifact Ambassadors, and it takes different artifacts from the collection, and it uses them to tell the story of America. Uh, you know, artifacts, uh, it's, there's a difference between an antique and an artifact. An artifact has a story. Uh, it has a context. Uh, so when a lot of the artifacts that are now housed and visible for uh, visitors uh, at the agency house, uh, when they were donated, they, uh, their stories came with them. So whether it be uh, a piece of prehistoric copper that can tell about the uh, early story of the agency house or, um, you know, a gun used by a Revolutionary War soldier, uh, there's all sorts of different stories that each individual artifact can tell. And uh, it's our goal to, while telling the agency else's story, to also be able to use these artifacts to broaden uh, what people can learn. And they can learn a lot of these things if they come for a visit during the summer of 2020. As I said earlier, you've had to shift the schedule a little bit, but there are very interesting, intriguing things for people to learn when they arrive. One of the ways that you achieve this dissemination of historical information is through your summer speaker series. Looks to me like that's still on, and you're one of the speakers. July looks like a very hopping month for you folks. Very busy. It sure is. Uh, on July 7th, we have author Ann Keating giving an online presentation. So uh, wherever you are in the United States, you can uh, view that from your, from your home. Uh, but we have three other events uh, on July 14th, 21st, and 28th. Uh, we'll be exploring uh, more about what it takes to be an archaeologist. Uh, the um, historic era archaeology, uh, we have one of Wisconsin's uh, pioneering uh, historic, historic era, era archaeologists who will be talking about what, uh, what critical thinking goes into uh, how an archaeologist interprets what he finds. Uh, we have the same uh, same topic going for prehistoric archaeology, which is be prehistoric means uh, essentially before written records were started being kept about uh, life in America. And then we have a speaker, uh, a uh, a lecture on the Indian agency blacksmiths. Uh, so some interesting topics, and uh, I think that anybody who visits will be glad they uh, were able to. Uh, learn more about the details of what goes into archaeology. I should add, Adam, that the Community Archaeology Dig, it's fortuitous that we're having this discussion now so people can plan ahead as we're in June of 2020, the event was rescheduled from June to July. So we're talking about July 18 and 19 and then July 25 and 26. People have time to make their plans. They sure do. I think that is just so exciting. I mean, even if you're not an archaeologist, whether you're professional, amateur, or you're just interested to really get in on this dig would be an extraordinary experience. 
I also wanted to ask you in the few minutes that we have remaining here, Adam, about Fort Winnebago. You can kind of make a complete tour of that area, I take it. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is another historic site, which is right across the Fox River from us. Uh, you used to be able to see it before the trees grew up over the view, but uh, it's called the Fort Winnebago Surgeon's Quarters. Uh, the Indian Agency was built uh, across from the fort because it was supposed to be a neutral place uh, for the government to meet with the Ho-Chunk. But across the river was uh, were two companies of uh, infantry at a fort was, which was built in 1828. Uh, the last remaining building of that, you can tour, uh, it's actually the earliest building uh, from that site. So uh, it's a very, very interesting thing. It's right on third, Highway 33. It's called the Fort Winnebago Surgeon's Quarters. The surgeon's quarters, have they arranged for people to buy one ticket for both locations? Is there some cross-promotion going on there? There is. Uh, you can buy a joint ticket, and you can get a uh, $1.50 off each site. Oh, okay. Well, it's always good to save a few bucks. What about Portage itself? If we look at it larger, whenever I have somebody on uh, regarding a specific designation, I like for the Trip Talk listeners to know where you might be able to stay. Is there a range of lodging options? What about restaurants in the area? Uh, there are plenty of restaurants in Portage, a lot of variety. Um, yeah, you also have a few options for lodging, too. Uh, there's a, um, a number of motels and hotels, so uh, it's a very good place uh, to be able to stay. Uh, it's uh, a lot of variety. That's always very helpful. People do want to know about their options. Adam Novi, I'm so grateful for the chance to speak with you today about the historic Indian Agency House in Portage, Wisconsin. I look forward to seeing it myself sometime as soon as possible. Travel's kind of dicey. We're all trying to navigate difficult times here, but I do hope for the day when I can visit there, my partner and I, and we would love to shake your hand. So I'll let you know when I'm coming. All right. Sounds good. Adam Novi, ladies and gentlemen, the executive director and curator of the historic Indian Agency, located the house, the facilities, the grounds there in Portage, Wisconsin. We thank you so much for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. In fact, enjoy the current issue digitally of American Road Magazine, AmericanRoadMagazine.com. That's the place. Until next week, drive safely and dream well. 